Ironically, it's the very predictability of it that makes it satisfying because we've all seen similar movies before and there's something satisfying. It's almost like having a checklist. We think, well, okay, mm -hmm. when you mention the two young women, when you mention the convict on and on, and they're like, okay, we first see them on the plane, this is what's going to happen with them. And I particularly enjoyed what I call the ugly American character, the obnoxious guy. <laughs> he's, su <laughs> he's such a jerk, right? He's such a jerk, right? You can't wait for something to happen there with a character like that. So again, the film, it, it sort of it has a sort of dumb, smart sensibility. It, it is smart enough to know how, how to exploit the dumbness of, of the whole thing. Hello, and welcome to At The Movies with Mike and Marie, a show where two film professors talk about movies. I'm Marie Westhaver. And I'm Mike Giuliano. And today we're going to talk about plain and missing two one-word movies, starting with plain. Now, first thing I wanted to mention about this is just <laughs> the name is just so stark. And the studio wanted a different title for the movie, but Gerard Butler, who stars in this, insisted on keeping the title simple and went with plain. So plain, you know, P-L-A-N-E, but in a way, P-L-A-I-N. What did you think of this movie, Mike? Oh, in a single word. Um, the thing is, uh, there were a lot of jokes about the title. Here's a movie called Plane. What's it about? Well, it's about an airplane. <laughs> and, and, and being blunt and being plain, it's, it's just plain. And some of the jokes are, what, there are no snakes on this plane? You know, and, and so all kinds of ribbing about it. But it's actually, you know, also worth smiling in the sense of think about earlier films, like go all the way back you know, it's like airport, right? And well, what's mm -hmm. that about? Well, it's about an airport, you know, you see, so it is really plain spoken in, in that respect. The other thing I'll say right up front is uh, you will never, never, never see this movie while you're on a plane. It's never, <laughs> yes. never going to be your in-flight movie at all. And so actually, I want to put this in a broader context. And, and the film is entertaining. I would not make any great claims for it. It's not great cinema, believe me. But what I really found interesting was the sense that this is the kind of movie that has almost completely disappeared from our screens. What do I mean? I mean, in terms of movie theaters. Because what's happened is we have obviously the superhero movies, the spectacles, the big budget stuff, and then we have the smaller art films. And what started to drop out already a few decades ago was what I call the middle. Mid-level budget, mid-level stories, if you will, just sort of like, you know, routine programmer material. There aren't as many movies like that. One reason why I actually did enjoy watching Plane, I oftentimes was laughing at it as much as with it, but one reason why I found it entertaining was the fact that years ago, there were a lot of movies sort of like this. That, you know, if somebody said, is it any good? I said, well, it's not so good, but, you know, it's certainly worth watching. And I had some fun with it. And so that was my basic take on playing in terms of the very idea of it. How about you? Well, I went into it. I had heard what it was about. And as, you know, the lights are going down and the movie is starting, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm going to be getting on a plane in a couple of months. Why am I watching a movie about a plane going down? This is going to be terrifying. I'm never going to be able to get it out of my mind. And sure enough, that's what happens. It's a Gerard Butler plays this pilot. It's New Year's Eve. He's, I think, flying from Singapore. And Tokyo. then the, oh, Tokyo. Yeah. And he is, well, Singapore, uh, Marie, Singapore to Tokyo. To Tokyo. And they don't make it that far. Everything goes wrong. In fact, the most terrifying thing is to see all of the lights on the console in front of the pilots go dark because they're hit by lightning. And so it shorts out everything. So they have nothing to go on. And all they can try to do is just find a coast somewhere where they can land. They land on this little island in the Philippines that has been taken over by this rogue group of 
pirates, really. It's a lawless place. They don't know this, of course. They, you know, they're just trying to stay alive. And then what follows is, well, first of all, the, the all the stuff that happens on the plane is it's so, like you said, it's a fun movie to watch just because it's so, there's so much action. There's so much emotion that that it brings up for you and then the terror that you're feeling and you're hoping that they're going to land everything's going to be all right all of the things you're concerned about but also they have complicated the plot from the get-go by having one of the passengers be someone who is being transported in handcuffs and he's got a a minder with him and they put him at the back of the plane they don't want the other passengers to interact with him the plane is not full of very many passengers at all when they finally come down in this place in the Philippines, you know, now they have to do something with this guy. Are they just going to leave him, you know, in handcuffs or, you know, what, what's going to happen? So one of the pleasures of the movie is, you know, you don't really know what this guy is all about and it is slowly revealed to you. And I think that is really well done. The actor, Mike Coulter, plays the prisoner and he's fantastic. And some of what follows is so wonderful to watch because it's like they looked at modern weaponry and they thought that would be so cool we got to get that in that movie and you're watching it and you watch just the battles between the people on the ground and the you know the fights that break out all of that stuff is wonderfully done very exciting well you know what marie it's essentially a b movie in this respect, when they're first on the plane, you know, there are no snakes on this plane, but there's a convict and, and he's kind of mysterious because you really don't know much about him. You know, is, is he a bad, bad guy or a good, bad guy? And, and the movie will reveal, you know, more once they land. But it's that sort of, you know, generic airplane situation, like row by row is you sort of size up the passengers. Well, which stereotype is this? Which stereotype is that? And again, at a B movie level, it's entertaining just, just to see that. And we're not spoiling anything here. When you have Gerard Butler as your pilot, he will land that plane right? You know, lightning may hit it, this and that. And even the airline, which should not have authorized that flight because of impending weather conditions, you know, they're thinking about their books. They think, well, let's do it. Let's go for it with just a handful of passengers, New Year's Eve, whatever. And yeah, so, you know, a little bit of that to think about, but it's essentially like they're going to be in peril and you already start to anticipate how it'll turn out. Well, it's safe to say that, you know, if he's at the, the controls, even if the controls have gone dark, he'll get them on the ground. And as Marie says, when they land, believe me, it is not Gilligan's Island. When they, when they touch down there, these are all really, you know, a bad crew, as they say, and it's a lawless place that way. A lot of what happens on the ground, the intellectual side of me, the rational, logical side of me, found so much of it, like, really ridiculous at times, but in a way that made me smile. It's kind of entertaining at that level. And so, you you know, you've got people to root for here in terms of those on the ground, because the bad guys on the ground are really bad. They don't have any redeeming qualities, but the people on the plane are push come to shove all good, you know, or mostly good. And so we have clearly chosen our sides here. And at that point, it becomes a kind of game. And, and when I say game here, I mean, it really does seem that way at times, like, okay, how can we defend ourselves? Because we're just air, airplane passengers and a pilot. How can we defend ourselves against these guys who are well-armed and, and malicious and so on? And there, it's the brinksmanship, the back and forth of it that way. And even though some of the plot twists are, have me sort of rolling my eyes and kind of extreme and predictable and this and that, it's at that B-movie level of, you know, sometimes I would always say to people, yeah, this is a movie I really enjoyed, but I'm not saying you should go see it necessarily. <laughs> but if you find yourself watching it, you might rather enjoy it. And why do I hedge that way? Because, you know, if you're, if you're being like really clear-eyed about you know what works in the film and what doesn't it's not a particularly strong film in, in any respect and yet it's smart enough not that it's smart but it's smart enough 
to know how to bring off that kind of B-movie premise. It really knows how to work that in a way that's satisfying for the audience. So again, I'm sometimes sort of like, you know, laughing with it and sometimes sort of laughing at it. And, and it's okay to laugh with it even because a lot of it is so borderline preposterous that you just kind of like enjoy the spectacle of, of you know, th these people on the ground improvising weapons and strategies and so on. And sure, how can you not get in the, the spirit of that as you watch it? I agree with you. And I, I love that you called it a B movie because it does have that sense to it that it's just shamelessly trying to manipulate you into responding to what's happening on the screen. And some of the characters are, you know, the kind of tropes where as soon as they trot them out, you think, oh, I know where this is going to go. You know, there's two young women, you know, they're wearing cutoff shorts and taking selfies of themselves. And they're seated right in front of the guy in handcuffs. The plane is empty. One of the things that makes no sense is why they would stay seated there. Why wouldn't they, you know, choose another seat to, you know, be further away? But anyway, they're taking selfies. And of course, the guy behind him is like, could you not? So you're thinking, oh, well, you know, the dumb girls are going to realize through the movie how shallow they are. And, and then there's the obnoxious American guy who's affronted by everything. And you're thinking, all right, so this is the guy who's going to be humbled by the experience. You can just sort of see how they're trotting out these old predictable things. But in a way, that's satisfying because they set it up and then they knock it down. And it works because even though you know what they're doing, you know, you kind of buy into it. You, you, you want to see the girls understand that, you know, there's more to life than selfies. And, you know, when it comes down to survival, it's a whole different game. And, and you want the obnoxious guy to get his comeuppance. You want all these things to happen. The mystery, of course, is the guy in the shackles. And he's got a backstory that, you know, comes out through the film slowly, which also is, is very satisfying. And the surprises really do come at you out of nowhere. The the person who's been stalking you that suddenly clubs you over the head, the scenes of the fights, you know, you really, that looked real. I think they must have, they either had professional body doubles who knew martial arts or Gerard Butler is way more of a badass than we ever thought. Well, you know what? You've identified what I call the generic pleasures of a B-movie like this. Ironically, it's the very predictability of it that makes it satisfying because we've all seen similar movies before and there's something satisfying. It's almost like having a checklist. We think, well, okay, mm -hmm. when you mentioned the two young women, when you mentioned the conduct on and on, and like, okay, we first see them on the plane, this is what's going to happen with them. And I particularly enjoyed what I call the ugly American character, the obnoxious guy. <laughs> he's, su <laughs> he's such a jerk, right? He's such a jerk, right? You can't wait for something to happen there with a character like that. So again, the film, it's it, it sort of, it has a sort of dumb, smart, sensibility. It, it is smart enough to know how, how to exploit the dumbness of, of the whole thing. The other thing it does, which is predictable, but it works in movies, is the cluelessness of corporate. You know, first they send, they insist that they fly, even though the weather conditions are terrible. And then when Gerard Butler finally makes contact by all kinds of MacGyver machinations and has, you know, just a brief window of time, to get his message across. We, we crashed. I don't know where we are. I think this is where we are. This is my name. No, I don't have my badge. It's on the plane. And the person he's talking to is, you know, we've been getting crank calls all day. And he's, no, no, it's really me. And this is what's really happening. This is the frustration of dealing with bureaucracy. And then, of course, you see the scenes of, you know, the corporate bureaucrats trying to decide what to do. Should we do this? Should we do that? And you know, somebody has to take charge and decide, you know, to try things that are 
maybe off the books or maybe a little risky because that's what makes the plot go forward. But you have some despise them for being so clueless and removed from the from the problem. And at the same time, it's crucial that they get on board and come up with some solutions to help. Well, you know what? In terms of the corporate level, again, that's where these characters are right out of central casting. And it's just so convenient that way that, you know, the corporation, if you will, the airline, they are looking at the the bottom line there in terms of should we fly the plane or not? You know, profit margins, profit and loss and so on. And it takes a lot to, to knock them out of that mindset, you know, that, no, this is a real call, a real emergency. What are you going to do now? And even then, they still sort of spin wheels as to damage control in, in a lot of ways, how to, how to handle this. But again, you know, they're villainous almost in that respect, not as bad as the bad guys on the ground, but they are kind of villainous. But that's, again, in a really predictable way. They're the corporate heavies who, in their own way, as bureaucrats, are just as menacing, if, if you will. And sure, I kind of smile at that, though. I'm glad there weren't too many scenes of that, because those were so predictable. That a few minutes of it, and of course, uh, Tony Goldman has, has the thankless role of you know trying to be a, a corporate guy who's not so bad. But I'm glad that those scenes only won't go on for a few minutes here and there because you know it's cliched material. There's only so much you can do with that, and I get the point. And I'd rather actually it's more fun being on the ground, right, with whatever's happening on that isolated island. Some of the firepower scenes that you see of the weaponry that they use once things get down to almost like hand-to-hand combat are so amazing that even while I was watching it, I thought, oh, somebody saw what these weapons can do and said, let's put that in a movie. But that's the way to experience it. You don't want to experience it in real time or in any sort of real life situation. That's what movies are for. And that, I thought, succeeded admirably. And I love how you said brinksmanship, because it just keeps building, building. The ending is ridiculous, but it's a movie. (laughs) <laughs> it's, a, it's a movie come it's on it's a movie come it's on. shameless it's shameless that way and, and this, the thinking is if should we have a small explosion here or a large explosion i know let's go with the large explosion the extra large explosion yeah now i will say and i don't usually say this this is a movie to watch on a small screen if you ever are going to get on a plane and you're right mike they're never going to show this on a plane i would hope not can you imagine <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that brings us to our second movie, Missing. Now, this is very similar to a movie called Searching, which came out in 2018. And in fact, this movie starts with news about the situation that happened in Searching, which is kind of a nice uh, tie-in. The fun thing about this movie, this is about a girl whose mother has disappeared while she's on vacation in Colombia, South America. And she's trying to find her. And the whole movie is told almost entirely through computers, laptops, cell phones, technology. In fact, most of what you see is, and this is funny, Mike, because we talk all the time about, you know, where the camera is positioned, you know, like the bird's eye view or, or where it is. This is like the screen eye view, because a lot of it is you're seeing the actor, and, and she's fabulous, by the way, Ava Zaria Lee. She is, you know, looking at her computer, videotaping herself or you see her reaching out to try to use the technology she has to find out what happened to her mother. And so it's edited extremely well because it goes from situation to situation. There's twists, there's turns. You never know what's going to happen next. Now, I don't know how you felt about this movie, Mike, because I know you're not particularly a technology guy. I loved it, though, for that very reason. I loved the way they used cell phone technology, Siri, 
apps that you can use like Jackrabbit and things where you can hire people to do things for you and email and breaking into other people's email. How do you retrieve somebody's password? All of these kinds of really kind of technical things. I liked that part of it, but how did you feel about it, Mike? I had very mixed feelings about this film and for reasons that Marie's identified already, but it's a techno thriller where you realize that much of the action, if you will, takes place as, you know, we're watching a, a movie screen, whether you're at home or in a theater, we're watching a, a movie screen. And on that screen, we're watching a character, our protagonist, as she watches a screen or, or screens. And so it's locked in that way. And a lot of the editing that you referred to, yeah, it is sharp, but it's like cutting from one screen to another, one app to another, and, and so on. So strictly speaking, on a technical level, it's adroitly done, but I found I was sort of less and less interested in it as it went along because it gets so locked into that, that it really is. It's sort of like, you know, those movies that are not only inspired by video games, but the movie itself plays like a video game. I would generally put it in that category of once you've technologically locked into what your format is, that the whole film will be within that. And again, I, you know, I, I did on a kind of procedural level find it interesting, as Marie says, in terms of, you know, if you're at home in the United States and your mother's been kidnapped in Colombia and, and you're not sure what's happened to her, where she is, how long distance in various ways you can try to, you know, keep tabs on her, try to find out where she is and what you can do. There's some procedural interest in that, but the film itself, frankly, kind of lost me after a while. When I say lost me, I mean lost my, my interest at the point where some of the plot twists were so ridiculous, just so far-fetched that, you know, if it were a lesser movie in some ways, like let's just be ridiculous. When we talk about B-movies, if it just went that route, then he'd be very forgiving of things like that. This is a film that wants to be taken a bit more seriously, I, I would think. And yet once it starts those twists and turns, it's like, oh, come on, brother, give me a break kind of thing. And, and that's where when I lose interest, I'm not bored by it exactly, but I just feel like at that point, it's playing with the format, like, you know, how much long distance sleuthing she can do. And even that sometimes is so extreme that I know we have all kinds of capabilities now, but sometimes it's like, oh, come on now, would she be able to have a camera on this street at this hour to see whatever's happening to her mother and the kidnappers and so on? Marie, pick up on that point, if you will, because it seems to me that the film, I mean, it it knows what it's doing in terms of how it's being set up and following through, but it really does push to an extreme that I, I think is borderline implausible at times. Well, I wasn't concerned about plausible so much as I was thinking how I was watching it, thinking that my students would absolutely love this movie because it touched on so many things that they're already really familiar with. And I don't know how well this movie is going to age because, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen with the internet, you know, what you point out is ridiculous, doesn't age well if the technology changes. But if you put that aside for a minute, one of the things, for example, the day she finds out that her mother is missing is the day she wakes up and realizes it's time to go pick up her mom at the airport. And, you know, she's completely forgotten about it. And, and the house is trashed because she had a party she wasn't supposed to have. So she uses an app where you can hire somebody to do odd jobs. And they're, you know, you pay them by the hour. So whether it's, you know, I need you to go to a hardware store and buy me a shovel, or I need you to come to my house and clean up after this party so my mother doesn't know I had it. It plants that seed, which they use later. And then, of course, she goes to the airport and she sets up her phone to record the, you know, mom's coming home event, which doesn't happen. And I could totally see my students doing this. And I could also see them engaged in the situation and it drawing them in. So all of those things I thought I really enjoyed. 
then the other thing that happens is that she wants to retrieve the security footage from the hotel where her mother was staying, but it's been overwritten. The only other cameras available are tourist areas, which, you know, works into the plot eventually. There's all of these nice little planting seedlings that come up later. And that I thought that part was really satisfying. You know, they involve, you know, CCTV and dating apps and how you crack somebody's code to break into their email so that you can, you know, figure out where their location is or the location of their phone. There's lots of interesting aspects to the technological world that we live in. I thought that part was just really intriguing and and well-rendered. Well, you know what? The film deals with some of those details quite well. And with others, it's sloppy or just doesn't care that much. For instance, she contracts with, she hires a guy down in Columbia to do some on-the-ground sleuthing for her. And he's a really nice guy and it's a really good performance. It's an, it's an endearing character. But it's, speaking of the details, it's never really gone into details. And well, you know, um, how much is she paying this guy? And how does this work? You know, and speaking of, of uh, you know, technical details, well, payment, because he ends up doing some things that are really dangerous, kind of potentially life-threatening. He's such a good guy, just keeps doing these things for her. Is he on the clock for this or off the clock? So my feeling is if you're gonna have a techno thriller and really go into detail, I know I'm sounding like an accountant at this point, but I'm really wondering like, you know, how, how does the salary work for something like this? So Maria, I think, it, I think the film is sometimes sort of fast and loose with with a lot of details like that if it's convenient to go into detail it does if not it just sort of charges on to the next video camera or the next escapade on, on the ground there but you are right though i mean on a technical level it really does explore the capabilities we increasingly have one of the things that she does is she looks up the hotel online and clicks on the link to call and someone answers speaking spanish and so she's trying to like rack in her brain about, you know, what, how much Spanish she even remembers. So she brings up what's basically Google, Google Translate. And when the person is speaking, she's typing frantically and then it's translating. And then she types in what she wants to say and then, you know, reads off of the computer what, what it would be in Spanish. This is ingenious stuff. I mean, it, it really makes the most of what our students are are much more adept at than, than we are, I think, shamefully. I don't know that I would know all of those tricks that this young woman does in the movie. The other thing I thought was really effective is the fact, like I said, it's like a screen's eye view because the screen is watching her because she's being videotaped. So you're, you know, you're seeing her, but you're also seeing her projecting herself. And lots of times, you know, her friend is in the background. This also, I think, is very realistic that it's capturing the way a lot of people are actually living their lives, which is they're Skyping with somebody, but there's also, you know, somebody in the background because, you know, there's also real life going on. I thought all of that stuff gave you a good way to get to know the character, also see, you know, the friendship she had and how that worked. You know, every time somebody rings the bell of the house, you know, you, you get that, that view of well, who is that out there. It just includes a whole lot of glimpses of things that, I think we in some ways take for granted and but also are so prevalent that it had to be made into a movie eventually. And I think, by the way, this movie was better than Searching. What did you think? It probably is. The same producers are responsible for both films. I think this one does work better. One reason, as Marie just identified, is, is that the central performance is, is solid. And just as a character, it's interesting to see the, the kind of technological smarts she has. 
and it is very satisfying. As, as she gets frustrated one way, she then thinks of another app or something else she can do. And we do get pulled into that. We absolutely do you know, find ourselves calculating as she is. And she's really, really, really clever when it comes to getting information like that. And again, even though I think the film can be sloppy with some of the details, essentially it does have a, a firm grasp of you know, what it would be like to use technology in the way she does. It also has Nia Long as her mother, and she's also really good in this. And I, I also like the way a lot of the things that she does just seem like things, you know, people would do. And the way they tell the story, there's so many twists and turns. You think that you know what's going on. They give you some information that leads you down a train of thought, only to upend it later. And then you realize, oh, looking back, if I hadn't been misdirected, that fits with what is really going on here. That's the screenplay, just in terms of the misdirection, I thought was masterfully done. I really liked this movie. I thought yeah, it was incredibly clever. Yeah, more than I did. I mean, a lot of the direction does involve misdirection. You're right. And sometimes I thought that was like smart and clever. Other times, as I say, when I use the word sloppy or arbitrary, you know, it gets pretty obvious and, and sometimes just very, very convenient in terms of some of the, the, the twists and turns that it will take. But again, it, it needs to bring it to, to a satisfying conclusion. And, and so technologically, she's going to find everything she needs to find, right? She's going to get what she needs. And, and that, that guy on the ground who's working for her, what a saint he is, the situations he gets himself into. I'm thinking, I, I hope she pays overtime because <laughs> he's doing a lot for her. <laughs> Yeah. Now she's paying them, of course, with this emergency money that her mother left, you know, just in case she needed it. And there's just all kinds of subplots going on. It is so tightly edited. I found that the time flew by because of the pacing. And I was pleasantly surprised when the movie was had ended. It was like, wow, I, I didn't even realize I'd been sitting here for almost two hours or whatever. Now, since the first movie of, of this kind was called Searching and this one's called Missing, what are they going to do to round it out with a, a troika? What are they going to call the third one, Mike? Whatever they call it will be a single word. <laughs> <laughs> this is single word cinema. I like um, that. And, well, actually, and, and the title on this one, Missing, actually years ago, and by total coincidence, it was the Costa Gavras film, uh, mm -hmm. Missing. But the point is, uh, Missing, almost like with Plane, m Missing, it's, it's just, you know, it gives you this sort of generic impulse, like, okay, you know, there's an airplane or, you know, okay, some, someone is missing. And I don't know, I'm not crazy about it as, as a title, since the film itself is so immersed in all this technological wonderment. Marie, what do you think about a, a title that somehow worked more of the technology into the film title itself? What do you Rebooting. think? Rebooting. Maybe well, re re <laughs> no, but you know, you know what I'm getting at there, like, like whether mm -hmm. it's done in a humorous way or just in an explanatory, you know, what I'm getting at like somehow to work that into the title because missing could refer to so many things. Right. You know, uh, and, and then as you watch the film, you quickly realize, well, her mother's gone missing. So everyone figures that out. But what do you think with the title? Don't you think it had a, a somewhat more pointed title, a little, a little more uh, specific title? Well, interestingly, like you said, missing can mean more than one one idea. I mean, yes, her mother's missing, but there's lots of other things that are missing. Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually a, a pretty good title. I also think this is, I enjoyed seeing it on the big screen and being overwhelmed by it. But given the theme, I would think this would be a great movie to watch on your laptop or your phone. I thought the same thing. I thought usually I'm advocating to see things in movie theaters, 
But I'm sitting in the movie theater watching this thing. You know, you should watch this on a laptop, right? You yep. know, or on a phone. <laughs> it, you know, she's, it, you know, our, our, our protagonist is on a small screen, right? You know, you, you might, and we spent all our time with her on the small screen. Why not watch it then on a small screen? I think you will very rarely hear me say this, but, but this is actually better off, I think, watched on a small screen. Yeah, mark this time, because I don't think we're ever going to recommend that in another movie. <laughs> but that does bring us to the end of this episode. But don't forget to check out our other podcasts at dragondigitalradio.podbean.com and also under Dragon Digital Radio on Pandora and Spotify. And that brings us to the end. But take us away, Mike. We're going to uh, see everybody next time at the movies. We'll see you then. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio.